You're listening to The Wind from Eden, Montana Weather Stories, a production of the Ivandoig Archive at the Montana State University Library. I'm Jeff Rice. I'm standing in a snow-covered parking lot, and the temperature is about 20 below zero. I have just stepped out of the warmth and comfort of my rental car, and I can feel the bite of the cold. The inside of my nose freezes almost instantly, and my cheeks begin to tingle. This is not that unusual for the deep winter in the Rocky Mountains. It's nighttime, and there is nothing to warm the ice but more ice. What is unusual is the sound. As I walk across the snow, there's a dry crunch and my shoes squeak under my feet. This sound only happens when it gets really cold. The temperature has to be less than minus 14 degrees. It has to do with the physics of snow. As it becomes colder, snow just sounds different. At minus 14 and below, instead of smooshing softly, Packed snow crunches and squeaks like hard crystals. I bring this up because strange things happen when it starts to get really cold. The physical world changes. Snow starts to squeak underfoot. Then, as the thermometer dips a little further, maybe to 30 or 40 below, exposed skin will succumb to frostbite within 10 minutes. The air in your tires will start to deflate. If you breathe too deeply, your lungs might freeze. And then, what happens when it's 60 or even 70 below? Today's Montana weather story looks at extreme cold. When it comes to extreme cold, Montanans have some bragging rights. On January 20th, 1954, at Rogers Pass, the temperature stood at 70 degrees below zero the coldest it has ever been measured in the lower 48 states. There is something about such metal-buckling cold that begs for a story. It begs for a writer like Montana-born author Ivan Doig to come along and describe it. Doig grew up near this area and knew the extremes of Montana weather firsthand. Weather of all sorts became a favorite topic in his novels, and he found his muse describing the winter of 1936. That was the winter they built the Fort Peck Dam along the Missouri River. Doig's novel, Bucking the Sun, tells the story of the dam, and one of its chapters opens with a temperature of minus 61. Not a record, but cold enough to freeze the inside of your house and the sheets on your bed. Too cold for the coal to burn. The fire's gone out. Hugh absorbed this, then said in the tone of a man wronged, God damn that soft coal. He lurched from under the mound of bedding toward the stove, and could tell at once this was not merely the feel of a fireless house. This was deep cold. He rattled open the firebox of the stove and swore at the dead ash of the coal he had banked the fire with at bedtime. Crumpling yesterday's entire Glasgow courier, he stuffed it in the stove grabbed up a double handful of kindling and chucked that on top of the paper and, shivering hard now, made himself position dry sticks of wood atop it all so the flame would draw. He struck a match and lit the paper and hovered miserably until the kindling at last caught fire too. Then he lunged back to bed. Meg rewarded him with a clasp of warm arms. 
At that moment, the thermometer outside the Fort Peck administration building read 61 degrees below zero. The stories of real life were not all that different. Anton Gorink worked in the sawmills during the building of the Fort Peck Dam. In an interview with the Montana Historical Society, Gorink discusses life in Fort Peck during the winter of 1936, when it was so cold that the trees began to explode. One winter we got caught in there, when it, as you saw the thermometers 60 below zero. That, that was cold, that was cold. Boy, I'm telling you, that we were sawing those trees, and the trees were just like cutting ice. You know, they, they were frozen. And once in a while, one of those things would crack because of the expansion of the uh, water in, in the cells of the tree. And when that would let go, it sounded like a, a big army rifle going off right alongside your ear, an ox six, as I say. It just, you know, you just jump with that thing would pop. Mm -hmm. You didn't know what happened for a second, you know, and then you then you'd know, you'd realize, well, that that big old cotton would there split, and it would have a big split in there. <laughs> oh golly, that that was cold. But why does this part of Montana near the Rocky Mountain front get so cold? One way to understand it is to leave your front door open in the middle of the winter and feel the cold air rush in. The open prairie is like an open door. There are simply no major barriers to block the cold air coming in from the north. In effect, the flat open country extends all the way to the Arctic. This cold Arctic air is more dense and thus heavier, and it just pushes warm air out of its way. Christian Cassell, lead meteorologist at the National Weather Service's Great Falls office, explains some of why this happens. And one thing about uh, north central Montana especially is the unfettered access of extremely cold air masses um, from interior Alaska, uh, northern Canada, the Arctic, north of the Arctic Circle, and even Siberia. So when the weather pattern, the flow is just right, those air masses can move down east of the mountains, mainly the Rocky Mountains, and reach north central Montana with very little modification and really no blocking of that low-level, dense, very cold air. Something like this happened on March 3, 2019, when temperatures in Great Falls dropped to minus 32 setting a new record for low temperatures for the month. Cassell remembers what it was like. So I was actually working during that, uh, I was working the midnight shifts and was outdoors quite a bit on the night shift um, during that record cold in early March. And we actually, uh, in Great Falls, at the uh, Weather Service office, actually had a little bit of wind when we had our temperatures uh, reach minus 32 and I recall uh, our wind chills were, were in the minus 50 range. And uh, one thing that happens here in Montana that I've noticed is uh, your tires. They'll lose air pressure because of the extreme changes in temperatures. And actually, when I went outside that morning to leave to go home, my tires were very low. And in fact, my right rear tire had gone completely flat, and that was just due to cold. And so I had to uh, find an uh, air pressure gauge, and I, I was lucky to find one, but I had to stand out there with it and inflate the tire. And I will say, I will say without a doubt, that was by far and away the coldest I have ever felt 
And uh, even as bundled up as I was, the cold just penetrated through everything while I was uh, inflating my tires. Um, and just a, a, a just an experience I will never forget for sure. Deep cold like that can be unpredictable and scary even today. But what if it's 40 below and all you have out on the prairie is a horse and a sleigh? Larry Johnston remembers what that was like. We'd go to town and we didn't ever know if we were going to get back home again or not. He grew up in the ranching community of White Sulphur Springs. I spoke with him as part of a series of interviews with rural Montanans for the Montana State University Library's Ivan Doig archive. The topic of our conversation was the weather, and I asked Johnston what he remembered of the days before heated car seats and satellite weather forecasting. Back in the 1950s, he had gone off to college for the winter, but came home to work on the ranch for two of the coldest weeks of his life. I'll let him have the last word. Well, probably the worst time I ever had was my, my freshman year in college, coming home, and we were cabin. It was 40 below all, all the time. On two weeks, I was there. And I was never so glad to go back to college in my life. <laughs> well, it's, yeah, it's cold. And uh, I mean, the horses' bits, the, you got to harness so, and put the bridles on them. You got to blow on the bits to make them frost up so they don't stick to the horse's lips. And, yeah, yeah. Anytime I was harnessing the horses, I just grabbed the bit and blow on it till it whitened up with frost on it, and then, and then they'd take it in their mouth. They didn't like it too good, but they did. And we were feeding cows at least three miles away, and I'd harness the team and and I'd run run behind the sled that three miles to keep warm and then and then I'd feed the cows or we'd feed the cows and I'd jump in the burrow down in the hay and just turn the horses loose they'd go home they know where the home was at You can hear more interviews about Montana weather, including the one with Larry Johnston, on the Acoustic Atlas at Montana State University, acousticatlas.org. The Wind from Eden is produced for the Ivan Doig Archive at Montana State University. Neil Brookshire read the section from Ivan Doig's novel Bucking the Sun. Original music was provided by Flynn Cohen of flynncohen.net. Other music by Flynn Cohen is available for digital download or through your favorite streaming service. Funding for our series was provided by Humanities Montana with additional support from the Montana History Foundation. Special thanks to the Montana Historical Society for the use of their recording of Anton Gorink. For The Wind from Eden, I'm Jeff Rice. 